BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The Shadow Out of Time by H.P. Lovecraft. Chapter 1. After 22 years of nightmare and terror, saved only by desperate conviction, the mythical source of sudden impressions, I am willing to vouch for the truth of which I think I found in Western Australia on the night of 17th to 18th of July, 1935. There is a reason to hope that my experience was wholly or partly an hallucination, which indeed Abundant causes existed, yet his realism was so hideous I sometimes find hope impossible. If a thing did happen, then man must be prepared to accept notions of the cosmos, his own place in a seething vortex of time, whose merest mention is paralyzing. He must too be placed on guard against a specific lurking peril which, Though it will never engulf the whole race, may impose monstrous and guessable horrors upon certain virtuesome members of it. It is for the latter, this latter reason, I urge, with all the force of my being, final abandonment of all the attempts of unearthing these fragments of the unknown, pyramidally masonry, which my exhibition set out to investigate. I'm assuming I was sane and awake. My experience on that night was such as had befallen no man before. It is, moreover, a frightful confirmation of all I had sought to dismiss as myth and dream. Mostly, there is no proof, for in my fright I lost the awesome object, which would, if real, and brought out of that noxious abyss, have formed inscrutable evidence. When I came upon the horror, I was alone. I have to now told no one about it. I could not stop the others from digging in its direction, but chance and the shifting sand has so far saved them from finding it. Now I must formulate some definite statement. Not only for the sake of my own mental balance, but a woman such as others as my may read it seriously. These pages, much in whose early parts would be familiar to close readers of the general and specific press, are written to the, in the cabin of the ship, and being, bringing me home, I should now give them to my son, Professor Wingate, 
Peasley of Massacretonic University. The only member of my family who stuck to me after my queer amnesia of long ago, and a man best reformed of the inner facts of my case. Of all the living persons, he is at least likely to ridicule, for I shall tell of that frightful night. I have not enlightened him morally before sailing, because I think he had better have the revelation in written form. Reading, rereading at ledger will leave with him in a more convincing picture than my confused tongue could hope to convey. He can do anything that he, that he thinks best with his this account, showing it with an suitable comment in any quarters where it would be likely to accomplish good. It's for the sake of such readers as are unfamiliar with the early phrases of my case and prefacing the revelation itself with a fairly ample summary of its background. My name is Nathaniel Wingate Peasley, and those who recall the newspaper tales a generation back, the letters and articles in physiological journals six or seven years ago, know who and what I am. The press is filled with the details of my strange and easier, and easier, and easier in 1903 to 1913, which was made of the traditions of horror, madness and witchcraft which lurked behind the ancient Massachusetts town and now forming my place of residence. Yet I would have it known that there is nothing whatever of the mad or sinister in my heritage and early life. This is hardly important fact in view of the shadow which fell so suddenly upon me from the outside sources. It may be that centuries of dark brooding have given to crumbling, whisper-haunted Arkham a particular vulnerability as regards such shadows. Even this seems doubtful in the light of those other cases I later came to study. But the chief point is that my ancestry and background are altogether abnormal. What come came came from somewhere else where I even now hesitate to assert in plain words I am the son of Jonathan and Hannah Wingate Peasley both of wholesome old Haverhill stock I was born and reared in Haverhill in an old homestead in Broadman Street near Golden Hill I did not go to Arkham till I entered Massacretonic University instructor of political economy in 1895. For 13 years, more of my life ran smoothly and happily. I married Alice Case, as they are, Haverhill, in 1896. My three children, Robert Wingate and Hannah, were born in 1898, 1900, and 1903, respectively, in 1898. Became an associate professor in nineteen oh two, full professor. At no time had the least interest in either occultism or abnormal psychology. It was on the May Thursday, fourteenth of May, nineteen oh eight, that a queer anemia uh, came. The thing was quite sudden. 
though later I realized that certain brief glimpsing visions of several hours previous critic visions which disturbed me greatly because they were so unprecedented must have been formed primarily symptoms my head was aching at a singular feeling all that could be new to me that someone else was trying to get possession of my thoughts the collapse occurred about 10.20 a.m. while I was conducting a class in a political economy for history and present tendencies of economics for juniors a few semaphores I began to see strange shapes before my eyes the fuel as in, in a grotesque room other than the classroom my thoughts and speech wandered from my subject and students saw that something was gravely amiss that I slumped down unconscious in my chair in stupor which no one could arouse me nor did my rightful facilities again look upon the daylight while normal world for five years five months and thirteen days it is of course from others that I learned what followed I showed no sign of consciousness for sixteen and a half hours though removed to my home at 27 Crane Street and given the best of medical attention at 3 a.m. May my eyes opened and began to speak and my family were thoroughly frightened by a trend of my expression and language it clear I had no remembrance of my identity and my past I for some reason seemed anxious to conceal this lack of knowledge conceal this lack of knowledge my eyes gazed strangely at the persons around me inflections my facial muscles were altogether unfamiliar even my speech seemed awkward and foreign I used my vocal organs clumsily and gropingly my dictation was curiously stilted quality as if I had laboriously learned the English language from books pronunciation was barbarously alien whilst even the delusium seemed to include both scraps of quiz, archaism and expressions of wholly incorrensible cast of the latter one in particular was very potently even terrifyingly recalled by the youngest of the physicians twenty years afterwards for at that late period such a phrase began to have actual currency first in England then in the United States though of which complexity and indisputable newness it was produced in every least particular the mist of vain words of the strange Arkham patent patient of 18, 1908 physical strength returned at once though I required an odd amount of education use of my hands legs and bodily apparatus in general because of this other handicaps inherent in a mesomodic lapse I for some time kept under strict medical care I saw that my attempts to conceal the lapse had failed I attended to my openly but then came eager for information on all sorts indeed it seemed to doctors I lost interest in my proper personality as soon as I found the case of amnesia accepted as a natural thing they noticed my chief efforts were to master certain 
points in history, science, art, language, and folklore. Some of them tremendously abstruse and some childishly simple, which remain very oddly in many cases outside my consciousness. At the same time, they noticed I had an inexplicable command of many almost unknown sorts of knowledge, the command which I seemed to wish to hide rather than display, and would eventually refer the careful assurance to specific events in deep ages outside the range of septic history, passing off such references as jest, where I saw the surprise they created, and a way of speaking of the future, which two or three times caused actual fright. These uncanny flashes seem certain to appear through though some observers lay their vanishment more to certain furtive caution on my part than to any waning of the strange knowledge behind them. Indeed, I seemed anomalously avid to absorb the speech custom perspectives of age around me as if I were a studious traveller from a far foreign land. As soon as I had permitted, I haunted the college library at all hours and shortly began to arrange for these odd, for those odd travels and special courses of American and European universities evoked to so much comment during the next few weeks, years. Next, during the next few years, I did not at any time suffer from a lack of learned contacts. My case had a mild celebrity among psychologists of the period. I learned upon as a typical example of secondary personality, even though I seemed to puzzle the lecturers now and then with some bizarre symptoms of some queer trace of careful bird mockery, a real friendliness. However, I encountered little. Something of my aspect and speech seemed to excite a vague fears and versions in everyone I met. If I had were a being infinitely removed from all that is normal and helpful, helpful. This idea of blackened, of a black, hidden, hidden horror connected with incalculable gulfs of some sort of distance was oddly widespread and persistent. My own family formed no reception. From the moment of my strange awakening, my wife had guarded me with extreme horror and loathing, vowing that I was some utter alien, alien upsetting the body of my husband. In 1910, she obtained a legal divorce, nor did she ever consent to see me, even on my return to normality in 1913. These feelings were shared by my older son and my small daughter, neither of whom I have ever seen since. Only my second son, Will Wingate, seemed able to conquer the terror and repulsion which my change aroused. Indeed, felt that I was a stranger, but though only eight years old, held fast the faith my proper self would return. When it did return, he sought me out. Wilkes gave me his custody. Successful years, he helped me studies to which I have driven and today, at 35, he's a professor of psychology, a mess of tonic. But do not wonder at a horror cause. 
for certainly the mind, voice, and facial expressions of being awakened on the 15th of May 1908 was were not those of Nathaniel Wingate Peasley. I will not attempt to n- tell much of my life from 1908 to 1914. So if readers may glean an outward essentials, as I had to do from files of old newspapers and scientific journals. The given charge of my funds and spent them slowly and whole wisely in travel and study of various centres of learning. My travels, however, were singular in the stream, following long visits to remote and desolate places. In 1909, I spent a month in the Himalayas. In 1911, roused much attention through a camel trip into the unknown deserts of Arabia. What happened on those journeys, I have never been able to learn. During the summer 1912, I tried to ship, sailed in the Arctic, north of Spitsberg, so afterwards showing signs of disappointment. Later in that year, I spent weeks alone beyond the limits of previous or subsequent exploration in vast limestone cabin systems, symptom systems, the West of Virginia, black labyrinth, so complex that no reflecting on my step could even be considered. My sojourns at the universities were marked by abnormally rapid assimilation, as if the secretary personality and intelligence almost as superior to my own. I found also my rate of reading as sto- solitary study was phenomenal. I could master every detail of a book merely by glancing over it as fast as I could turn the leaves. While my skill is at interpreting complex figures in an instant were probably awesome. At times it appeared almost ugly reports of my power, the influence of thoughts and acts of others, which I seemed to have taken care to memorize displays of this facility. Other ugly reports concerned my impotency were leaders of cult groups and scholars suspected connection with nameless bands of abhorrent elder world hierophants. These rumours, though never proved at time, were doubtless simulated by the known terror of some of my reading. For consolation of rare books of libraries cannot be effected secretly. There is tangible proof in the form of marginal notes. I went minutely through such things as the Cumbria, Etuel, Calaris, Desculis, Ludwig's Pins, De Villis, Mysterious, the unexpectable Coluterun of Van Dulix, the surviving fragments of Puzzle Book, Ipidum, the demand, dreaded Nympicon of the mad Arab, Abel, as I had read. Then, too, it's undeniable the flesh and evil wave underground cult activity set in about the time of my own odd, my odd a mutation. In summer 1913, again to display signs of the enemy and flagging interests, I hint to various associates a change might soon be affected and expected in me. I spoke of returning memories of my earlier life. Though most auditors judge me insincere, since all the collections I gave were casual, and such as might have been learnt by my old private papers. By the middle of August, I returned to Arkham, reopened my long closed house in Crane Street, 
here installed a mechanism, in a mechanism the most curious aspect constructed piecemeal by different makers of scientific apparatus in Europe and America and guided carefully from the sight of one intelligent enough to analyse it those who did it see it a workman, a servant, a new housekeeper say it was a queer mix of rods, wheels and mirrors though only about two feet tall one feet wide and one foot thick Centromere was a circular and convex all this bore by such makers of parts as could be located the evening of Friday the 26th September dismissed the housekeeper a maid until noon noon of the next day <coughs> noon of the next day lights burned in the house until late a lean, dark, curiously foreign-looking man called in an automobile. In about 1 a.m., that lights were last seen at 12.15 a.m., a policeman observed the place in darkness with so stranger's motor still at the curb. By 4 o'clock, the motor was certainly gone. At 6 o'clock, that hesitant foreign voice on the telephone asked Dr. Wilson to call at my house and bring out bring me out of a particular fate peculiar fate this call a long distant one later traced a public booth in North Station Boston but no sign of lean foreigner was ever unearthed when the doctors reached my house when the doctor reached my house he found me unconscious in the sitting room an easy chair with a table drawn up behind it for it a post top with scratches showing where some heavy object was rested. The queer machine was gone, nor is anything that I afterward heard of it. Undoubtedly, the dark, lean foreigner had taken it away. In the library gate were the horrent ashes, rarely left from the burning of every remaining scrap of paper which had written some event since the event of amnesia. Dr. Wilson found my breathing very peculiar, but after an epidemic injection, it became more regular. 11.15am, 27th of September, I stared vigorously, my hypotone mask-like face going to show signs of expression. Dr. Wilson remarked that the expression was not of my secondary personality, but seemed much like my, old, my normal self. About 11.30, I muttered, some very curious syllables, syllables which seemed unrelated to any human speech. I appeared too to struggle against something. Then, just afternoon, the housekeeper and maid, me, having meanwhile while returned, a good man with a matter in English of the orthodox economics, to economists for that period, Javidos, Tiffies, a rarely entrained of all scientific coloration. He turned to link the current Commercial circle prosperity, depression with a cyclical cycle, solar plots forms, perhaps the apex of Nathaniel Wingate Peasley had come back. In spirit of those time, time scale, it was still Thursday morning in 1908, with a comic economics class gazing up the battered desk on the platform. <laughs>